Just hit a button, Morty. Give me a beat. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Um. Hey, welcome back to another not not your weekly sports pod episode where we're going to dive into one of the most surprisingly beautiful TV shows that I've come across in 2021. I'd argue the best TV show in 2021 and the dynamic duo Nabil the real deal follow the ball back in this. Nabil was good with you though. What's good, man? I mean, bro, like this is one of the it's been a while since we've done a not in not your weekly sports pod and I'm happy that we're doing it with this show, bro. Like what a beautiful surprise. What like if for for those that don't know what we're talking about, there's this show that just came on the largest streaming platform that's available right now on Amazon Prime called Invincible, which happens to pretty much be probably the best superhero show that you probably haven't heard of. And a spoiler alert, if you haven't, go binge on this fucking episode on this season. It's eight episodes. Get it in. Come back. Your boys Vala's and Bill are always gonna be back for you guys. But for those who have watched it, just come relic with us, bro. Just come back and come through memory lane, what just happened so quickly. And let's go through the best superhero show, I would say, Vala, that I've seen in the past five years. There, There's a lot of categories we'll get into like we always do. But, man, I mean, this is, again, animated series, not safe for work, for no, sure. No, absolutely not. Um, it, it comes from the mind of the Walking Dead creator, Robert Kirkman, and his comics, you know, only one season on Amazon Prime, but they've already greenlit season two and three based on the success that season one had. 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, and the consensus review on them is bold animation, bloody action, and an all-star cast led by the charming Steven Yun. Invincible smartly adapts its source material without sacrificing its nuanced perspective on the price of superpowers. And that says it all, man. That's it. That's a beautiful take on what turns out to be what I think is the best show in 2021. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Yeah, no, I, I I couldn't agree more with you on that, man. I think this is pretty much, I would say, the animated slash anime version of what Game of Thrones was to HBO. I think this is about to be that for Amazon Prime. So for those of you who've already watched it, you guys already know how amazing this show was. I, I think we all can agree that we're in awe of this and just sign me the fuck up for season two and three already. Please. There, There's levels of anxiety and panic that we come across throughout the human experience. And one of them for me that I distinctly remember was when I learned that you hadn't watched Game of Thrones yet oh my early in our lives. And I implored you to enrich your life with the content of those first four seasons, which is where I think we were at. Yep, absolutely. And it did wonders for your life, right? Absolutely. Up until the last season, it oh, did wonders for your absolutely. life. Absolutely. Change it to something completely different. You came to me and I sensed the panic and the terror in you when you learned that I had never even heard of this show, Invincible, and you implored me the same way that I did, the same way that I bent the knee like <laughs> Ned Stark to Robert Baratheon in the first episode of Game of Thrones, and you begged me to join your Kingsguard, to be the hand in this podcast. Oh, beautiful. I'm just crying right now. And I thank you for it. This is an unbelievably rich show, and what they were able to do on the scope that they did it and the way they did it is unmatched to me. One, for an animated series, and two, for any show of 2021 thus far. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, fam, I, I'm, just, I'm just crying right now on the inside. That was just beautiful love right there. But man, I, 
I, I think me and you are both hyped for this. I think you and I have been really like, even though it's, you know, honestly just come out less than a month ago, I think the amount of hype that surrounds this now is ridiculous. And I think this is why we're so keen on doing a rewatchables episode on this, man. So let's fucking get into it, bro. Rewatchable style, huh? Let's do it, boy. So we're going to go through our most rewatchable scenes, the ones that you can go back. And if you're in this portion of the episode and your you know, baby has a soiled diaper, <laughs> that baby's going to sit in its poop or pee for a little while longer because you got to get to the end of this episode. So for me, the most rewatchable scene, I think this is the most rewatchable scene of the entire series, but we'll go in chronological order here. The first one's episode one, baby. Absolutely. Come on. Bro. How they set up that final scene, right? The whole majority of this opening episode felt like, which is why I was reluctant when I was watching the first episode, it felt like a Saturday morning cartoon. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it gave us a false sense of security, yeah. so to speak. Started off with like a giant a team coming together, superpowers, right? Looking like the Power Rangers-esque. Two generic looking villains and like, you know, saving the White House. No blood, no death, right. no vulgarity. The art style, even like you said with those characters, reminiscent of the Justice League. So the final 10 minutes of that first episode sees Omni-Man who is this Superman-like, heroic, invincible, no pun intended, oh. character in this show, and he just murders all these heroes. Yeah. Just brutally murders them after falsely summoning them to a meeting place. Bro, just the amount of gore that was involved in that in that scene alone, right? I think we, I, I saw it in the initial opening for season one. It's like, you know, you know NC-17. I'm like, the fuck are they talking about? And then... To your point, right? Uh, we were talking about scenes that bother us. You just see Omni Man crack the skull of you know th this fucking the Flash wannabe over here that we have just a little bit of backstory on, just in those brutal way, and then just go about rip like ripping necks, tearing people apart, and in the most diabolical evil way. And uh, yeah, that scene I think just got me in a heartbeat. And I think to to today's point as well, all like we talk about. We're, we're the you know Gen Z millennial generation. Our attention span is not long whatsoever. If something doesn't entertain us within one episode, we're out, right? Or we're definitely not giving there's, as much. There's too shit. many other options out there. Exactly. So you know, but for for this to end it off with saying, hey, this little you know tiny backstory that we've been giving you for every single character to feel good about, they're fucking gone. You don't know what the hell is gonna happen in the next episode. And Omni Man is not who you thought it was gonna be. So yeah, easily, bro. For me at this point, it was the most rewatchable scene for uh, by a mile. They don't sugarcoat any of those deaths. Like oh you said, God. the Flash gets his skull crushed in, like full Game of Thrones style. Oh the mountain just ripping Oberyn Martell's skull. It was literally akin to that. <laughs> Teeth popping out, eyeballs going all over the place. You know, he just takes the Batman guy and just smashes his spine That's across stupid. the ground. Literally twists the Wonder Woman character's head 180 degrees and drops her. And then beheads this other guy who's supposed to be immortal, Omni-Man, just with the swipe of his hand. It's fucking crazy. And you're left to wonder after that ending episode, you know, is this what we have to contend with? Like, who can stop this fucking guy? Yeah. Other than, ba -ba -da -bum, Boom. roll the intro, <laughs> Invincible. It's the corniest and best way for, that, for the title as well for that, bro. Also, I love how all the Guardians of the Globe were former cast members in The Walking Dead. That's so true. That's half-ass interstitial right there. <laughs> Every single one of them who got murdered, yeah, is some character in The Walking Dead. I love it. There, um, there's just so much about that scene, man. Like, I, I, I couldn't agree more with you. And I think 
you know, at the at, at the end of that scene as well, just seeing that, okay, hey man, Omni Man really can't be fucked with. It's kind of like one on eight over here, and it's like this guy's still not dead. So, and I think the sh- the the foreshadowing that it leaves, or like not the foreshadowing, but like the tease it leaves for the rest of the episodes, uh, I'm sold. Me too. Yeah, this is. I mean, I think after I saw this first episode, I binged the first four. Oh, oh night gosh. one, and then I finished the series. You went four two. hours straight into hell. You're like, no. Yeah. Man. I love it. It was incredible. 45 minutes of just content nonstop. Yeah, any other scenes, bro, that you want to talk about with this one? Um, let's see. Episode 5 was another one. This is where the the black guy as we called <laughs> the him. The black guy. <laughs> the the titan who had this what was it? It was like a shell of Yeah, it looked like it was like what granite that he turns into around it around some, himself. Some some protective shell and he was voiced by Mahersha Ali. One of the that best. episode where, you know, it's kind of like a wire, the wire-esque type of you know detective backstory of criminals and layers of criminal life and whatnot but where he takes the guardians to fight machine face and we're introduced to the hall of famer himself oh man the the one who comes for heads always looking for a worthy opponent absolutely the battle beast the monster himself bro yeah (laughs) we talk about six men of the year we talk about you know other characters that just mean so much the future that we're not going to get into and break some spoilers but you talk about a casting for the entry for this guy he just comes in and literally almost kills your main character in this whole movie and this whole show and you're like all right what the fuck just happened and just completely fucks up this team that's supposed to take over from the guardians of the globe and then Bro, to your point, Mahershala Ali, like they're getting actors that are just so well known and respected in the acting community to play such important characters. And then just if we're going to talk about that episode alone, right? Like the ending of that episode, we think that Machine Head is really, you know, the whole the brains behind it all really and everything going on. And then you find out that he's literally making Invincible do this for the behest of him to be able to bring him into power. And so this guy is really the Machine Head you know, at the end of the day is, is Titan. So, you know, this, and it leads to so many, you know, of these opening stories that I'm really excited for, for season two, right? You know, this guy is going to be a really big part of season two as well. So just spending one episode on this whole character really gets me enticed for the next season to see what they're going to do with it as well. Not to go backwards, but you talk about season two, you know, the whole fight that they had with the aliens who would travel through a wormhole in time, I love this. And would age, you know, every time they came back, they had some invention to immunize them further and further towards the aging process here on Earth. But, you know, Nolan goes into their world and absolutely destroys them after they try to take over Earth for the third time. And at the end of this season, we're seeing that they're planning something, right? They're back. So you meet all these villains and you you think it's only for a brief crossing moment that you're seeing them. When in reality, there's this massive world being built by Kirkman where all these different characters are going to be revisited at some point. I mean, think about Battle Beast. Battle, Fuck, Battle Beast nothing. comes in for five, ten minutes of this whole first season, fucks up Mark, your main character, nearly kills Black Samson and, what is it, Monster Girl. Yeah, almost. And, and then just basically says, like, this battle is beneath me. Like, I'm too... I, this is like fighting ants. I have yeah. one prime directive, and that's to find my worthy opponent. Yeah, we talked about this in the car, right? Like it was like the YouTube comment that we learned about. Like uh, there was a, it was a comparison of like Machine Head hiring uh, Battle Beast to kill the Guardians, the new Guardians of the Globe, is equivalent to like Galactus 
hiring Thanos to fucking kill peasants on the street. It's, you know, it's you hire the strongest being in the world, essentially, or one of the strongest beings in the world to just come in and fight these, you know, really clowns next to him. And it's such a great introduction to this character, too, man. I have some Amazon stock to be able to make those kind of purchases. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's just like, let me get this monster-looking lion over here to do my bidding. What a bloody scene that was, too. It's just like every time he finishes someone off, just the blood gushing into the air. He yeah. licks it off his own face. <laughs> just a Very few line of him. <laughs> legendary character. Like, this is probably the best cat I've seen in a television production since the cat from Meet the Parents with Robert De Niro. Oh, wow. Mr. Jiggly, was it? <laughs> Mr. Jiggly? I don't remember the name. The Thundercats right there. He's the original Thundercat pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I love it. The one that made uh, his life very difficult. Beautiful. Ben Stiller's life very <laughs> difficult. But yeah, bro, that scene, that's got to be one of them. Number three for me. Number four, I've got Omni-Man versus the GDC. That that's whole The whole episode six where like the Rue is falling apart. Debbie learns. you know, She finds his costume with other people's blood on it. Um, and she confronts him and walks out on him, and he turns around and notices the invisible GDC agents and just murders them just by doing everyday things like pushing them across a kitchen counter, cuts them in half, fucking like railing an assault rifle into their heads, just brutally murders them, and they have to throw everything they have in their arsenal at him. They throw, what was it, like a kaiju? They throw a kaiju at him, right? They throw a $3 Robots. billion dollar fucking missile defense system against him. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, there goes $3 billion. Dollars. I love Cecil. <laughs> a resurrected immortal wasn't enough yeah. either. So they threw everything at him, but they just couldn't get anything to stick. And the whole episode is capped off by him walking up to Mark and telling him, son, we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> And then you know, one whole episode after that, it goes into the whole story, man. I mean, yeah, th- there's really nothing much to say about that episode. I think, I think that was kind of like that part in the whole series of where, okay, shit's going 100 and we're staying at 100 for the rest of the season. I remember literally right when that happened, it's like, okay, now we're really like the exposition's done. We're going straight into the fucking climax and falling action. So huge, yeah, huge precipice in the whole fucking series. Um, and I, I, I love that scene, bro. And I think for, for me, like one of the main... I, I think, yeah, if we're going to go chronologically as well, well, I think what the season ending, what is there to fucking say? Like, just, la- just like you were saying, right? The last just brutality. Yeah, just the last episode in and of itself, right? Like that's, is there any point in the last episode that you could say you were going to stop watching for like two minutes for a piss break? No, you couldn't. Yeah. There you, really you, you would miss some mass human death event oh my goodness. if the, you were to do that. The fact that Omni-Man through invincible through what every single fucking like ecological zone that we have in this whole fucking world and he just comes back nearly like our dad are you gonna stop and it's like no i'm just gonna pummel you to death this is just this is omni man at its best like this is just directing at its best this is storytelling at its best like if you're gonna watch any episode uh you know i'm sure obviously you went very far in to watch the last episode but talk about a way to just cap off an episode the fucking the season finale this was probably one of the best season finales i've ever seen nolan kills like as many people as possible i loved it during this whole rampage like he takes mark and drives him through a cruise line ship down to the bottom of the ocean through the core and then brings him back up through the core back up through the same cruise ship you know goes into a mountain punches the mountain to create an avalanche that kills thousands of people below holds him up against a train train that's incoming 
and just kills every single person on that train as it derails against him. Just every form of death possible. He did this. He threw him into a skyscraper, killing thousands of people, the debris going on the ground and killing people. And yeah, like you said, the ending scene where he's just punching him to death, I think was the strongest scene of the entire show. Again, to cap off that father-son dynamic, uh, he tells Mark, he's like, what, what were the exact words? He says something like, at the end, who, who would you still have left after thousands of years watching everyone around you die? And Mark tells him, I'd still have you, yeah. Dad. Yeah. That, that one gushed, man. I was like, ooh, ooh, that one pulled hard the, the heartstrings right there. For an animated series like this to try to go for what it went for with, again, the gore, the scope, the world building, the different themes, the different illusions, and then for it to still go for moments like this and pull it off just really tells you what an amazing series this was for the one season that we've gotten so far. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more with you on that, man. I think just that last, that that last, like every sequence in that last episode, I think was, there's no, no flaws I could really pull from it. I, I, I think it was perfectly, you knew how much time you had for each episode it was 45 minutes. And I think no minute of that whole episode went wasted. And I think as an audience member, you can just appreciate that more than anything else. And what a strong way to keep your audience engaged and wanting to go into the next season. I mean, I, I think you're going to have something close to like, I would say more than a 95%, I think retention ship back to the second season. I mean, there's so many questions questions you want answered right like what's going on with the Mahler twins what are they going to do what's the what's robots prime directive like what's he really going for in his human form now what's his end game um the aliens are they going to come back yeah you've got mars mars yeah Yeah. the sequids Mm -hmm. take over the human brain and now dominate mars what's going to happen with that Battle Beast? Are we going to see Jesus. Battle Beast again? Yeah. Alan the Alien and how he plays into this? And we haven't even gotten into Omni-Man. Yeah. Or what's going to happen with the, what are they called? We've never seen, yeah, we haven't seen Planet Viltrum, right? We haven't seen anything or like about any of these Viltr- these 50 remaining Viltrumites. And is Omni-Man really even the strongest amongst all of them? No. Yeah, I mean, we get to the next season. We'll find out. But yeah, I mean, we've seen Omni-Man as the strongest character in this whole universe. Is that even true? So, I mean, it's there's so many questions left to be had, man. And I think... This is probably just what gets us into our next category of all. What's what, what's aged the best? What's aged the best, man? I think we, we touched on it with that season finale. Mm-hmm. The whole father-son dynamic and really how this show was more of really lifted off the strength of interpersonal relationships, right? Whether it's between Mark and Amber, whether it's between Mark and his dad, whether it's between robot and battle, or what was her name? Monster Girl? Girl? Yeah. I keep forgetting her name. <laughs> it's built off those interpersonal relationships as opposed to other superhero shows or movies, which are nods to social commentary. Like we see a lot more of in The Boys as opposed to this. So I think that was a, a unique part of this show that made me, that made it more fresh, you know, that made you want to stick with it a little bit longer than what you've been seeing regurgitated across various mediums yeah no i couldn't agree more with that man and for me i would say um what's aged the best were all like the details right like we look at everything in in the show and i think the details stick out more than anything else we just go through chronological order right uh one of our favorite characters that we were talking about damien darkblood 
uh, an, an homage back to Hellboy, which I love the fact that we both have Marvel and DC characters essentially back into this. Um, but him, just like the facts of knowing certain areas that were cold, right, were pretty much areas that he was he was there, and you saw details sprinkled into initial episodes that you didn't catch the first time, and then you get to the later parts of the season, and you're like, holy fuck, that's what that means. And, you know, probably the most visual apparatus to see the, how good the details were was whenever you saw the last fight between a resurrected immortal and Omni-Man. And when Immortal tries to kill him, he pretty much gushes his eyes out, similar to an Ober Martell of what, the situation that we ended up having in Game of Thrones um, and didn't kill him. But you had he had bloodshot eyes for literally the rest of that episode when, you know, a lot of people wouldn't have noticed that and he just go back to normal eyes. But he kept that same tinge for every single for for the rest of that episode and it, the rest and it that changed season. the way you viewed the character yeah because of it absolutely it really brought out the evil in omni-man yeah absolutely i think you know red eyes like bulging red and talking to his son i think it just made him look even more fucking scary and uh yeah much more evil as well so I, there's so many things about this show that have aged really well bro and i think that a lot of it just ends up going back to the directing and i think just taking pride in your work type of thing right like there's you could definitely tell that this was a show that the creators uh the people have voicing it um you know the the production house behind them uh no expense was was spared i think no piece of effort was spared and i I think this was literally one of those things that's like yeah qa was done post-production was done properly this is just a beautifully produced show bro yeah well said man you know as far as the well-produced goes the gore and violence of it as well we have to touch on right absolutely just you know again (laughs) our generation it's hard to keep our attention so means like this, and I don't know if there's something deeper to it. You know, you see Tarantino do it a lot. Yeah. You know, the hyper violent kind of themes in his movies, but I think it ages beautifully. And I don't know if you can pull this off necessarily across any other median other than an animated show. You know, I don't know if this works in a live animated setting. So that was beautiful as well. Yeah, dude. There's so many things I couldn't agree more with you that I think have aged the best. And I think that's going to minimize our next category of, well, what's really aged the worst? Like, can we really even pinpoint anything that we could say? Like, even though this, like, this series is literally like a month fresh, is there anything we could say critique, like, critically that ages the worst? I'm hard pressed to find one. Correct me if I'm wrong, bro. Maybe not getting enough Battle Beast. Yeah. Or not seeing Adam Eve hook up with Mark. Yeah, and I think that's just gonna go to the scope of how big. So you know, just for. Just for people that don't know, Vol and I are nerds out of our minds. We've we've read and fucking done our research prior to this. And there's a lot of backstory of, you know, nothing yet, Jon Snow. Like, there's so much that hasn't happened. And we're not going to ruin any spoilers. But to your point, Vol, I think there's still so much that that we don't know yet that any of these characters that we did, we didn't get enough of in season one could probably in the long scheme of things have so much bigger roles and everything. So, you know, again, I think this goes back to the excitement of it, bro. Like I'm, I'm, I'm just excited. Like there's so many characters we got one episode of in the whole fucking season that if this season goes seven to eight episodes, a la game of Thrones, how much more of a role are they really going to play in the entire sequence of things? Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see. Speaking of characters, six man award, who you got, the one who comes in, short little stint, but gives you a fire performance in oh, the time man. that they have. Uh, so I'm, I'm at a split for two, and I think we're going to talk about them both. But I'm at a split between Damien Darkblood and Alan the Alien. Uh, Damien Darkblood, if we just started off all, I mean, this guy is like, I, I, lo- I love the Hellboy character. I think, you know, um, the comic book Hellboy is so underrated. The character is so deep and fleshed out. Um, I, I think in you, the fact that you have that type of character in this universe pretty much brought in 
to you know try to find okay what really happened to uh, to Omni Man you know he's the guy that's going to be really playing liaison between Cecil uh, for Cecil as well and you find out like hey is this this is a very ambiguous character as well like is he here for good is he here for bad and he just comes in and kills it and again to your point uh, Mr I will never look at Mr Krabs the same after finding out that the guy who played Mr Krabs played him the voice actor for Mr Krabs. Bless us with oh, this gosh. beautiful performance of the demon detective, the most persistent detective ever. And then the other character, bro, Alan the alien, fucking voiced by Seth Rogen. Is there is there another care like another alien, like another person playing an alien other than Seth Rogen that you would like? Alan Alan the alien just had such a fun role and kind of brought in somewhat of a comic relief, just knowing that it was Seth Rogen vo- voicing a character and that you had him pretty much you know talking to Mark the whole time. And I, I love that back and forth between uh, between Mark and. Uh, uh, and Alan the Alien. I think those are some of the most fun scenes. I agree. Um, let me see here. Who else would I have? I think Art Rosenbaum, the tailor. Oh, I loved him. Who creates the costumes for the superheroes, voiced by Mark Hamill. And again, sharing those scenes with father and son, the guy who's known for one of the most famous father-son relationships in Hollywood history, Luke Skywalker. Uh, that was interesting. And who who knows what kind of role that he's going to expand into with someone like Mark Hamill voicing the character. We talked about Titan with Mahersha, Damien Darkblood voiced by Mr. Krabs, and Alan the Alien really round out the cast for me. So we got some solid six-mans on the board here. Just as cinema lovers, Vala, how how nice was it seeing two of the greatest voice actors you know, sharing a scene together? And Mark Hamill, who's played so many iconic roles, such as the Joker, obviously Luke Skywalker, and probably one of the most underrated actors of our generation, J.K. Simmons, pretty much sharing, like, time together in a scene uh, they stole the scene every single time especially if i remember when omni man came to go talk to his tailor after he had done all these murders and you could just sense the the level of like anxiety in mark hamill's voice they and that up, was fucking great they end up just having a beer together i know yeah i was happy for them to have that beer together two great actors deserving of a moment absolutely in the, in the art pages of history absolutely bro so let's see here i've got for apex mountains for us two things one jk simmons mustache oh absolutely come on now. just who pulls it off better than he has in nobody. recent hollywood history oh nobody he's it's the most intimidating mustache in all of cinema and the fact that it transcends the physical realm that we live in and is able to work <laughs> in an animated sense just goes to speak volumes about the man and then number two i think we need to talk about this is anime in america man I love it. This is it. This is the apex of anime in America. You remember when we were teens in like the early 2000s? Our only real access to this kind of anime was what? Toonami. Toonami on Cartoon Network. Late night during the week. Like after 10 p.m. You'd have the mainstream cartoons like Dragon Ball Z, Inuyasha, Yu Yu Hakusho. Am I forgetting any big ones? No, those were pretty much Gundam, right? Gundam Gundam Wing. Yeah. Um, and you know, we would, you know, consume as much of that content as we could in the limited time that it was on screen. And now for something in that content, something in that genre to be dominating, like you mentioned in the beginning of the pod, the most popular used streaming service in America and Amazon prime speaks volumes about this genre, the anime genre. I mean, we dabbled with it. We flirted with it when we were younger. I remember watching Spirited Away (laughs) as a little kid and being moved by that just as much as I was moved by some very popular Disney movies or cartoons. 
Um, but now it's like making its way into popular culture and it's good to see. Yeah. I think, I think these production houses, especially, you know, Amazon, the amount of money they probably put into the back end of researching everything. I think they found out that our generation who's now coming into our, you know, late twenties, early thirties, is pretty much going to be the generation to rule, you know, for the next 30, 40 years. We grew up on Dragon Ball Z and the popularity it is like amongst the kids at that time. Even if you look at like these Dragon Ball Z movies that come direct to theaters, make a good amount of money and then just completely dip out. Like Dragon Ball Z in that kind of genre was really popular, I think, amongst our generation. And I think they know like Amazon, like I said earlier, bro, I think they went all in on this series. No expense was spared. And, you know, I think they they, they know that this is the stuff that's going to sell. And I think it showed of everybody I know is really into this. And, you know, Amazon greenlit two seasons of this after only one successful season off the bat. So, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with you on that, fam. So speaking of Amazon, last question. Usually we do a little casting what if. <laughs> last question here is let's just imagine this went on you know, a, a streaming service is a live animated. Something like, you know, The Boys. Yeah. On Amazon Prime. <laughs> On Amazon Prime. There you go. LexCorp. First of all, could it survive in that kind of setting? And second, let's play a game and try to cast it out. I think the... Okay, first off, I don't think it could, bro, just because of the fact that, like, the... I think a lot of it's put to animation. Uh, the animation that's done is like put to imagination of what you think somebody would actually look like when they do it. That just actually playing out those scenes in real life would be so, so difficult because, you know, the voice acting done by J.K. Simmons and all these other guys, I don't think you'd be able to have the same visual effect as you would at a live action type of sequence as you would with the intricacies of having animation, especially animation at this scale, like which looks phenomenal, by the way. Um, so I think it'd be difficult, but it would be fun nonetheless. I think you have the best thing to a live action uh, show, you know, version of this as you can, uh, you know, to the boys like we talked about. Um, but I don't know, man. But it, regardless of Sable, I think it's gonna be fun to just actually do a live action version of every character in, the, in this uh, TV show. So let's go for it. Bro. Let's do it, man. So who who's invincible? Who's Mark? Oh man, who would you? Oh, you have to go for complete tool. Uh, I'm going Zac Efron, bro. Zac Efron. I'm going Efron, bro. Complete tool and can be some some you know acting chops right there. Yeah, let's go Zac Efron. Damn, I was gonna save Zac for uh, Rex. Oh, of course, that'd be fun too. Uh, I got Tom Holland, but Zac is an interesting okay. one. Okay. And then Amber would be Zendaya, so we're just recreating Spider Man exactly. at this point. <laughs> we're just, <laughs> we're just, let's just mash up the DCEU and uh, and the MCU team. Why not? <laughs> I mean, is there any other option no. for Omni-Man other than no. a de-aged, muscular J.K. Simmons? That's it. That's, the, that's literally the only thing I was going to say. Is like, that's the, we're living in the age of CGI. Just give me, like, if anything, like, put some fucking extra Rogaine in his stash <laughs> and thicken it up for the real world. But, yeah, there's no one else I would go with no. having heard his voice. Yeah, you can't, you can't unsee that, bro. Like, you can't unhear any of that anymore. So, yeah, it would have to be J.K. Simmons or bust for me. Who's Adam Eve? Maybe Sophie Turner? Sophie, ooh, Sophie Turner, yeah. I, I would say that's a good one. If we're if we're gonna go, if we're just going off like, hey, I just need a really good looking actress to play, uh, to play a character. Why not just fucking throw? Uh, why not just th throw her MCU uh, version of it instead? Just give me like uh, Elizabeth Elizabeth Olsen, bro. Oh, okay, a little Scarlet Witch action. Yeah, just give me Scarlet Witch right there, bro. That's I like it. it. Like, oh, we're, I'm mashing up DC and fucking the MCU, bro. Just give me every character's equivalent from that. Who else is left? Who are some other important characters we'd have to get on there? Ooh, who Cecil. Cecil. Oh my God. Cecil. Oh, give me Anthony Hopkins, bro. Just an yeah. old <laughs> Westworld <laughs> Anthony Hopkins, go. like cerebral, just throwing mad British quotes at you. That's hilarious. Oh my God, bro. I would. I would take that. I would take. 
Uh, an, oh God, Bruce Willis. Oh wow, Bruce Willis playing Cecil. Wow, he's he's gonna die hard. He's gonna die. <laughs> no pun intended. I love it because I see. So I'm gonna go I'm gonna go on costume. Who's directing this? That's a tough one. Tarantino. This isn't a question. It would have to be Taren. It would have to be yeah. someone like Tarantino, just for just for the amount of gore you're gonna see in it. It would have to be Tarantino, and the amount of like classy gore too, of like not just making it like blood sports, something like Eli Roth would do, but like something that's like there with purpose. Like, I, yeah, there would be nobody else that'd be able to direct this thing. Agreed, agreed. Who are we missing? Who else would be playing certain roles? Oh, who played the wife? Who'd play Omni Man's wife? J.K. Simmons' wife. Uh, I don't know, like Sally Fields or something. Oh, we're going old, old. Yeah. All right, we're going to Sally Fields. I go uh, if we're going to go younger. Pair well with J.K. Simmons. Okay, that's fair. If we're going to de-age him, if we're going to go a younger version, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind a good Amy Adams. Amy Adams. Okay. Yeah. I, I wouldn't mind a good Amy Adams with that age her up a little bit. And Amy Adams could, is a good crier. Yeah, she, you would need a character that could become an alcoholic and yeah. go through, you know, just the pits of life. Kate Winslet also good, would be a good one as Kate well. Kate Winslet would be after yeah. after what I saw her do in the Mayor of East Town. I'm Ooh, absolutely sold on yeah, her. Absolutely. Who else? Who else would we have? Oh, the Mahler twins, bro. Just cloned versions of Vin Diesel. <laughs> I'm sold. Just wearing a blue suit, bro. I'm sold. I'm done. <laughs> That's perfect. Oh my god. Oh, so does that make Titan the Rock? I think so. Yeah. I think Titan would have to be. You'd have to be smelling what the underworld is cooking. <laughs> done. Titan's the Rock. Who plays Battle Beast? Battle Beast. That's tis the question. Uh, maybe you bring back Andre the Giant back to life. <laughs> D.H. Andre the Giant there, Hulk Hogan. Hollywood Hulk, Hulk Hogan. Hogan. That's not a bad one, bro. Ooh. With the mustache, yes, too. Bro. The yeah. whiskers. The whiskers. Apparently, Battle Beast could enhance the sense of human smell by 14 times. Jesus. Wow. He, with those whiskers. Smelling. He's definitely smelling what the rock is cooking. He's smelling what the rock is cooking. I love it. <laughs> We're missing someone, I feel like. Um, who's a big who's a big baddie? Oh, who plays Immortal? Who plays the Immortal? Someone who just looks unhinged. Just because of what they've seen over the years. So I'd have to go Nicolas Cage. Oh my God. That is the perfect one. Just the crazy eyes. Like when he comes back to life. Imagine Nicolas. Man, I saw Leaving Las Vegas with Nicolas Cage the other night. For the first time in my life. And I realized why he's an Oscar nominee. Yeah, that's his only Oscar nomination. But holy fuck, go out with the bang right there, man. That was a great performance on his end. Yeah. So I think he played the immortal really well based on that. That's fucking (laughs) great. Based on that Oscar performance of him playing a suicidal drunk. I'm I'm hard-pressed to disagree with you. Yeah, let's put Nicholas Cage in this like he deserves. Uh, Who plays... Who plays the other Guardians of the Globe, man? The the ones that are there for one episode and gone. Who plays the fish guy? Probably Danny DeVito. I love it. Couldn't, yeah, couldn't agree right, more. you know, he played the penguin in the DC oh. universe. He can pl- come Make in for this fish, fish role. <laughs> um, who plays? Let's see, the Wonder Woman character. Let's go, Megan Fox. Let's just go brutality on this one. Yeah, she was darker and a little thicker, yep. so Megan Fox seems fitting for that. Uh, the bat, the Black Batman character. It's got to be oh, Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, Michael B. Jordan. Wow. Okay. Okay. Give Surprise pick. Yeah. Give me, one, give me one episode of him being a badass and just being completely obliterated by J.K. Simmons. I like it. Um, the Martian Man. Ooh, that's a good one. Who, who something? It's somebody that we really wouldn't care about, but it'd be fun to have a big role. Let's give, let's give it to Matt Damon. Let's see, it'd be fun. I was gonna say Matt Damon's already been there, so might as well. Yeah, it wouldn't be a hard <laughs> transition for him. Uh, the Green Witch. I don't know. She's just green. She's just a Green Witch. I don't know, dude. Just a CG screen. Give Emma Watson. She can have it. <laughs> who plays the Flash? Tom Cruise. It was a Russian dude, wasn't it? Yeah. 
Tom Cruise can play a Russian. I think so. I just, just put him in the. I mean, Tom Cruise is one run. of the all-time greatest runners yeah. <laughs> in movies that we've seen. Would it just? I'm not gonna like. Who else would be would pull off their face getting crushed in such an emotional and yet funny way at the same time other than Tom Cruise? I can't think of anyone off the top of my head which speaks volumes about <laughs> Tom Cruise. <laughs> Oh man, we just did. We just give Hollywood an idea for a live action uh, Invincible right here. The the cast alone will probably cost a hundred million, but I think this could be a successful movie if they were to take us up on it. If anybody could afford it, it's LexCorp, isn't? That's right. Boom, damn, bro. Rewatchable season one of fucking Invincible. We ready for season two, bro? I can't wait. Like, you yeah. take my money. I'm in for the all three seasons that they've already greenlit. No matter what happens. Man, I just I want to consume more of this. I want I'm gonna read the comics. I'm gonna get obsessed about this. I I can feel it coming. And if you somehow listen to this entire episode and still haven't seen the show, do yourself a favor. Go watch the best show out in 2021 right now. Invincible on Amazon Prime. Boom. Got nothing else to say. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.